yesterday, the National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center, the SPC, issued a high risk for a day one outlook. I mean, uh, between the uh, Texas Panhandle and central Oklahoma, a 45% probability of EF2 or EF5 tornadoes to occur within 25 miles of a point. Uh, That's the first time. uh, The first time. And much of that is going to go into uh, today, which is Tuesday also, which is a West Texas, uh, Western and Central Oklahoma, including Oklahoma City. And it continues on uh, throughout the country. Uh, Prepare for big storms coming. Now, I don't know if you remembered, but yesterday marked the sixth anniversary of the EF5 tornado that hit more Oklahoma in 2013. Fortunately, uh, there were no, no tornadoes yesterday uh, impacting the more Oklahoma area, but more dangerous storms have been predicted uh, through uh, Columbia and Springfield, Missouri. Little Rock, Arkansas, St. Louis, Missouri, Springfield, Illinois, and then the path this continues to move across the country. And then a second round of storms. Central Kansas, Nebraska. I mean, and Nebraska, a large lot of Nebraska is still underwater. Uh, still underwater. It's amazing. So damaging winds, large hail, flooding downpours will be primary threats with, with today's storms. I mean, we already have, it was reported that we had four. Tornadoes hit yesterday, and uh, you know more than two million people are in harm's way. So, I mean, and if you look at that entire area that they're talking about, uh, you know, unless you're just considering the entire country, uh, more than fifty million are at risk from the uh, high winds, uh, large hail, flash flooding. Um, you know what today is? Today is a good day to sit back and relax and just. Listen to your favorite podcast, Chewing the Fat. That's supposed to be for tornadoes, but we found out that they also shoot it off at other times. Um, no, uh, well, I just want that for tornadoes. I want to be, when I hear that, I want to be scared just for tornadoes. That's it. I'm okay with the, with the testing once a month. Like I think it's the first, right? The first Wednesday of each month is the testing one. I mean, I've posted one time that we were right underneath it when the testing started. Uh, I was scared as the crap out of you. Uh, <laughs> my daughter and I were right underneath that bad boy when it started on the test Wednesday, man. I, those things are, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, they're pretty loud. And when you're right there, woof. 
It went off last night. No, it did not. This morning, last night? Yeah. No, it did not. I'm still, I mean, I'm not, I may be on your computer. That's the one you're playing. I mean, we don't live that far apart in, uh, here in Texas, and I certainly didn't hear it. It woke me up. In fact, when I woke up this morning, I realized it wasn't raining at my house, and I raced to get here so I could beat the storm, and I beat it. It just, just as I pulled in, it was just starting as it arrived here. Yeah, but, I had to go outside and go get the turret or bring it inside just in case. Just in case. The turtle goes flying. Just in case, like the turtle is like low to the ground in a little, don't you have like a little outside cage or whatever? Yeah. And you think that the tornado is going to take it away. If there's a tornado, we'll pick up the turtle. Yes. Are you guys okay? You, you, the turtle okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's slipping the little container. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's good. You brought him in and he's safe. Did you all huddle in a corner and in your little tornado room? I mean, that thing goes off. You're the, you're the, a tornado is eminent, man. That's what I thought. I mean, a tornado I has, that, has been warned. Like, yeah, that's that is there's a tornado been seen, is spotted. Get to cover. It's not the first time I hear it go off during a windstorm like that. Yeah, see, you got better check to see if they're just setting it off for the high winds or whatever. It could be that. Because uh, I say, see, that's again, I, I, we need to go to the city council meetings and vote no to that. Yeah. No. Oh, it's really windy. Send those things off. No. We know it's really windy, douche. That is true. Yesterday was very windy. Uh, it's fine. We live in, this is, this is the wind tunnel where we live here in Texas. Oh, I yeah. I Chicago. No, that's the windy city. But this actually, I mean, between the panhandle of Texas and where we're at, northern Texas and southern what Oklahoma. What panhandle? The one like is 12 hours away? Isn't panhandle you have to have water surrounding you? Where's the water? The panhandle of Texas. All right. So we are northern Texas. West of us is the panhandle of Texas. If you look at the state, if you look well, there's at the geography no water. on the state. No, there doesn't need to be a, doesn't need to be a water. It's just the way the state is. I'm going to bring in a map. I'm going to bring in a map. I have several maps that aren't hanging on the walls because I've I love giant maps of the world of the United States. I'm going to bring. I'm going to give you one, and I want it hung up in your home, and I want you to look at that thing every day. I have one in the kitchen. And you I saw it. To, I'm going to give you a real map, a map that you can hang up and look at every day, so you see it. The one that I have in the kitchen. Ponder right now. it. It's like silver. I mean, it's like gold no, plated. No, you got that's a little bougie thing. I'm talking about something you're going to look at. Something's gonna that's gonna that's gonna do you some learning, okay? Because you and the whole thing here is agonizing. Plus, I want to apologize. I've got to apologize. Be careful. I've got to apologize. Um, we did the DMV. I got news today that's very disheartening. Okay, so we did the DMV st- show, and we had the DMV stories, and I've talked about uh, my you know trials and tribulations at the dmv before i found out today that they haven't admitted that it's because of me but it's because of me they are now i told you how to jump ahead in line when you go to the dmv get your ticket number right and whatever you wait till that last second you know like when you i told you get your ticket number whatever it is and if you're waiting if your ticket number is 65 and 34 
is on the counter. You got a ways to wait, right? So you're waiting. So when when you see the ladies or the guys that are working behind the counter go 35, and they do it like three times, 35, and between the second and third time is when they're looking to switch. Nobody's coming up. So you got to get it just right. Just before they switch to 35, you can stand up and go, 35, oh, that's me, oh, and you just go up, right? You go up, take care of business, and you're out. Well, now I'm told that they are checking ticket numbers. Now, I don't know what they do if they catch you. I'm gonna, we're going to have to find out. I don't know what their rule is. <laughs> so if you're not opposed to getting shot at the DMV, Oh, yeah, I'm 35. Oh, your ticket says 64. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, next, don't worry about the dead bodies. Other people lying out the wrong number. Don't worry about that. Just step over them. They'll be fine. Because Janet will be here in a little bit. Get rid who of told them. you to check? So I, found, I talked to someone who went there and was ready to do the Jeff Fisher jump the, jump the line. And... Uh, they were checking. They were checking the numbers. People were going up and, and showing them the number. They had, they had to check, show them the number and check. So, Because I did it, and it worked. Okay. The first time, when I went to the big mega right. you know, center, it worked. They were like on number 102, yeah, and I was like 378. I'm yeah, I'm not waiting. I mean, I got, I just you wait for that third time. That's 104, 104, just before that third time, because they're getting ready to change it, man. Because when they say 104, they're 105. I mean, it's quick. So you got to catch them just between, just before they switch into that third one. 104. I was very nervous. I was shaking. I was so nervous. Yeah, you, I, well, oh, that's me. Oh, 104. Yeah, that's me. And you go up. And I still think you might be able to get away with it if you do it right, if you pull it off. You got to pull confidence. it off with confidence. And you got the ticket in your hand like this. And you go, 104. Oh, that's me. Yeah, that's me. What am I thinking? <laughs> right. And as you're walking up, you're, <laughs> I tell you, man. Oh, we also, need, I need to see, see the ticket. Uh, it's in the, I don't know. It's, there's like 10 of them down there. I don't know which one they are. You want me to go yeah, through pick them? it up, and I need to see it. I don't know which one it is. Just come on. Let's see. i got to get my new driver's license. I mean, the only ticket I can find is 320. 1st you know, we started off with storms uh, in, across the country. We also have our first uh, subtropical storm, a named subtropical storm. They're getting quick to name them, man. Andrea, before it becomes the first named storm of 2019, June 1st, don't forget, just a few days away as we roll it up the calendar days. It's a few days away, June 1st, first day of hurricane season, 2019. You know what I just realized, too? Just as a side note. Um, this coming up weekend, if you're listening to this podcast before the 25th of May, 2019, I mean, it's a three day weekend coming up. That's Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Amazing. I mean, I, I'm going to try to be here on Monday, uh, for Memorial Day, uh, putting a podcast together, but if I don't make it, uh, you know, it's a holiday. So, pfft. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. 
But I can't believe it's almost hurricane season again. So I was looking at the, uh, I thought, well, I didn't even hear the the new names that we have to look forward to this year. So Andrea, <laughs> you don't hear that for hurricanes, though, man. Well, you do for tornadoes. But if you're in the middle of a hurricane. Tornadoes are, they come with. Yeah. A hurricane is a giant tornado with little tornadoes inside of it. And it's just like, you know, we're not blowing anything now. Okay. <laughs> Which is a line that you hear a lot during a hurricane. Anyway, that's a different uh, different story. So you got Andrea. <laughs> you're going to get that joke later, and you're going to laugh. Seriously, you are. We got Barry, Chantel, Dorian, Aaron, Fernand, Gabrielle, Humberto, Imelda. Umberto. Uh, that's what I said, Umberto. Umberto. He's not Italian. No, it's Umberto. It's, <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. You okay in there? I look up and I mean I said Umberto and you jumped like it was a it was a shock. Imelda. Jerry. You got a Jerry Hurricane Imelda. Jerry. That's what I said. Imelda. Imelda. Stop with the Italian. They're not Italian. Jerry. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Lorenzo. Melissa. Nestor. Nestor. That's what I said. Nestor. Olga. Oof. We don't you don't want to know any part of Olga, the Hurricane Olga, man. That's gonna be nasty. Pablo. I don't get a, a Pablo, a Pablo, Pablo from you. I get nothing for that. Pablo. Rebecca. No, you're not saying that right. What is it? It's a K in there. So how do you say the K? Rebecca. No, uh, Rebecca's with a C. What is this? Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H. That's not Rebecca. That's Rebecca. That's what I was, uh, Rebecca. That's how it's supposed to be. Sebastian. That's not Sebastian either. Sebastian, it, it is they too. Sebastian. T-I-A-N. T-I-E-N. That's why I said Sebastian. That's how I pronounced it. Maybe you ought to listen. I didn't say Sebastian. I said Sebastian. 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 Tanya. Tanya. Van. Van? Hurricane Van? Are you kidding me? Who's writing? Who's making these names up? At least Vanderbilt or something like that? Thank you. Wendy. And the W is Wendy. Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, uh, it just goes back to the first again. Let's roll over. There's more than those storms. Uh, So there's your 2019 hurricane names. I I don't know which one is going to be worse. I think, uh, oh, yeah, Olga. If we get to Olga, man. That's going to be ugly. The hurricane, of course. Rebecca with a K. That's going to be the ugly one. Rebecca, hurricane Rebecca with a K. That's possible. But Van, hurricane Van. Are you kidding me? To get handing out candies too. It's a storm, people. Van is here. All right. So apparently I find out that we have names for the hurricanes up through 2022. A couple years ahead. I mean, you didn't find out. I told you. Yeah, that's what I said. Apparently, their name through 2022. I found. I don't this want out. you to take credit on this. This is my research. 
Whoa, gee, thanks. But appreciate did you, it. Did you notice that they're like alphabetical order? They're like A B C yeah, D that's, to W. That's that's well, what they do. That's how they name it. Well, yeah, I knew that's, that's how, how they, they name, they it, name but it. But I didn't know they were like over the alphabetical order, and that's okay. Here comes a storm. We're gonna name it. I don't know. We have a list. Pick a name. I thought it was like that. And you know, it was no, like. They, I just they already have the names in alphabetical glory. What do you think? They, we got a storm coming. Hey, Bill, what should we name it? No, they. they no, <laughs> I know they already had the names, but I didn't know they they go by order of the alphabet. Right. I thought they just hey, here's a bunch of names. Just pick one. Pick one. Yes. Yeah. No, it hasn't been that way. Of course, you would have found that out in your research that you did on you know so much so much in depth research on the hurricane names and everything. 2020 looks good on names. You got Arthur, Bertha, Cristobal, Dolly. Cristobal, Cristobal, Cristobal. That's no, what it is. It's it, Cristobal. No, Cristobal. Okay, Eduardo. That's not how you spell Eduardo. Eduardo. No. And Faye is that like gay? No, Faye. Faye and Van. <laughs> Last year, Van was the tough one. Faye's here this year. Gonzalo, Hannah, Isaac. And that's not Isis. Isaias? Isaias. Josephine, Kyle, Laura, Marco, Nana. Those are sad. Nana. <laughs> Omar. Paulette. Renee. Come on. Sally. This is some weird. Teddy. Name. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Vicky, Wilfred. Wilfred. That's a dog. <laughs> that's the old man from Sun City, Florida. Wilfred. And he got Claudette on 2021. I don't like that one. Anna Ida, Bill, Ida, Ugh. Odette, Odette, <laughs> Rose, Wanda. Oh, they were in the twenty twenty two. Earl Gaston, Gaston. Yeah. I know Gaston. Yeah. Gaston, Gaston. Hermione, really? Hermine. Hermione. Her Hermione. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Hermine. Hermine. No, that's right. She's me. She belongs to me. Her mind. Sherry, Tobias, and Virgin. <laughs> they got a Virgin in there. No, it's not what it is. Then what is it? It's Virginity. Virginity? Virginity. Okay. I'll give you because V-I-R-G-I-N-I-E. Yeah, that's Virgin. But you would have you would have known how to pronounce all these names with your deep research into the hurricane names. All right, so Mr. Research on the Internet. Mr. It's my research, my story. Nobody else would ever guess that there was that names of the hurricanes up for three years. So are so you, you, are you aware of the latest viral Internet challenge? It's very interesting. I'm doing my oh, research. Are we still doing this? On the storm. Oh, and Jesus. The reason why they started naming storms is because to make people aware of them and how dangerous they can be. Yeah. Well, how can I be scared of, you know, Wanda or Nigel when they're like have wussy names? Because it's, it's not about the names being wussy or not names. It's just naming the storm so you can identify them and react to the, the name of the storm. Some storms, have, some names have been banned from being uh, storm names anymore because they were so horrific when they went through. But you'll find that out in deeper research. So are you... Uh, are you aware of the latest uh, viral challenge on the internet? No, no, I'm, I'm too uh, uh, too reading because you know there's no names that starts with a Z, Y, and X because it's too difficult to find names that starts with those letters for storms. <sighs> that is very interesting. 
you go to any more of the National Hurricane Center's uh, info updates about hurricanes or the Wikipedia, no, Wikipedia page? Pages, you no, know, yeah. that, that, that's it for the Wikipedia yeah. page. But that sounds smart, though. So, okay, I'm sorry. I'll bite. What is this new trend of. Oh, no, I want inter- you to continue with your hurricane research. What day did I say was the first day of hurricane season again? June 1st. Very good. What's the last day? Uh, August something. What's the last day? August something. You keep telling yourself that. Kissing cows. Ooh. Kissing cows. Dude, I have like, a, like 15 cows. The viral challenge right now, people kissing cows. I think that would be, I want to see some. In fact, I didn't even go to look it up yet. I just was checking this out to see the new challenge. <laughs> now they're saying, be careful. What's going to be fun about this challenge? of people kissing cows is that they're saying hey be careful because the cows can attack you so that's what i want to see that's what i want what is it no i want the cows to i want you to cows do not attack you oh how you sneak up please tell me how a cow will attack you. oh my gosh you sneak up on them all of a sudden and they do start lit you start lit and you try to kiss it and then it head butts you cow butts you you're done you're done. As a 21-year-old female trying to get up and kiss a cow in your challenge for your Instagram account, you're done. You get head-butted by a you get cow-butted. <laughs> so I want the new Chewing the Fat Kissing Cow Challenge. Uh, <laughs> and I specifically want the ones where the cow attacks you after being startled. But you have to make sure because it's with or without tongues. So which one are we doing? You want the I didn't. There's cows without tongues, or you? No, you kiss it with. Really? Really? You kiss the cow. Yeah, but are you doing with tongue or without tongue? I'm doing with tongue. If I'm going to go for it, I might as well go yeah, for it. Right. If you're going to get head-butted by a cow, you might as well get head-butted with the tongue in. So what is this the hashtag? <laughs> uh, hashtag kissing cows, baby. It's actually, I think it's uh, the cuss challenge or something like that, right? The cool cuss challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... Uh, so that's too like close. That. Sure that's is. too close. In America, that's, that's too, close. too close. Yeah, because this started is in Australia. Europe. Yeah, it started yeah. in Europe. So this they think it's funny close. with the Ku Klus challenge, with the uh, K-U-H-K-U-S-S challenge. But uh, that's too close. It's too close for here in America. So we've just got to call it the, you know, I don't know, kiss the cow challenge. Tongue the cow. Ooh, that's not good either. No, don't do that one. I'm watching some videos. I don't think this girl is doing it right because all she's doing, she's straddling the cow. No, you don't straddle. That's what I'm saying. She's straddling the cow and she is going to town and scratching her neck. This is, She did not kiss the cow at all. Okay. I, I, want the, I want the cow to... Whoa, this guy brought flowers and you a get, ring. I, you know what? I don't... I don't like, you're going to get mad cow disease. We're going to start... I'm gonna start spreading disease. Ooh, that guy just got a huge tongue from a cow. Cow tongues are nasty. You ever eat them? You know, there's a story out that talks about how a jury has awarded three point 
$3.3 million to five African-American strippers after a federal judge found the women worked under worse conditions than their white colleagues. I find that, I mean, that's just amazing that this would happen in today's world. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission sued the club Danny's years ago saying jackson club limited when black women could work find them 25 dollars if they didn't show up for a shift said white strippers had flexible schedules at the club were not subjected to the fines also said danny's manager used racial slurs against a black dancer danny's owners forced black women to work at another jackson club they own called black diamonds where conditions and security were worse and dancers were paid less uh, the case shows that, uh, you know, the EEOC will sue any employer operating any type of business who violates federal anti-discrimination laws. I mean, I'm glad. And of course they're going to, you know, they're going to, uh, say, um, no, uh, we're going to appeal and we're really disappointed with the verdict, but I, you know, they deserve it if they were treated like that. I mean, I, want, I, don't, I don't necessarily want Danny's to close down because it's you know, providing a service, of course. But, uh, you know, they should be. I can't believe that they're treating people like that in today's world. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. All right, so we all know the benefits of drinking coffee. And I, I do kind of miss drinking coffee. I haven't, I, haven't, uh, I haven't smoked and I haven't drank coffee in over five months now in my life. Almost six months. Oof. A long six months long six months but i didn't want to start drinking coffee again because i love drinking coffee and no one told me i couldn't drink coffee anymore but i didn't want to start drinking coffee again because that reminded me too much of smoking so i didn't want to drink coffee and then think i needed a cigarette to drink coffee with them because i you know still love to not smoke that'd be bad for you don't smoke so i haven't but and i do miss it from time to time but we all know you know coffee is enjoyable and uh even the coffee that you get that isn't really coffee that's just sugar and flavor you know like <laughs> you know the you know the uh french vanilla cappuccinos that you get at gas stations those aren't coffee oh, those are just powdered sugar man that taste good with hot water <laughs> they taste real good with hot water which i'm you know i'm okay with but you know coffee is great it's just a man a nice fresh good black cup of coffee so good with a nice fresh cigarette but so i just look up at fox news and they're showing this robotic coffee maker in san francisco and so i look it up but they've had this in san francisco for quite a while and he's just they're just honing it down now so it's making like 120 cups an hour of these lattes and they're all happy that uh, you know they get in line for the for the robot and the guy developed it originally because he got tired of waiting in line for coffee to be made but san francisco is uh is doing great you know i was looking uh another story about san francisco it is now uh the highest salaries in the world san francisco san francisco has the highest salaries in the world with residents bringing in an average of six thousand five hundred and twenty six dollars a month that doesn't sound that much Six grand a month? The city also has the highest disposable income after rent, $4,710 a month. Really weird. That doesn't, I mean, if you're making, 
I mean, if you're living paycheck to paycheck in San Francisco, because it's an expensive city to live in. I mean, it's one of the top. It's one of the top ten cities, most expensive cities to live in the U.S. San Francisco is like number two, the most expensive city to live in America. So it's no wonder that their salaries are so high. But they're saying here that if you you could live paycheck to paycheck and, and earn three hundred thousand a year in san francisco but if you're earning three hundred thousand a year that's 25 grand a month that's not six thousand a month Twenty five thousand a month you should be able to live on twenty five thousand a month unless you're you know jeff bezos then you can't live on twenty five thousand a month but like i said san francisco is the second number two of the most expensive city in the united states of america uh, you look at some of these cities, uh, pretty amazing. I don't even know why you'd want to live there. Uh, number 14 is Boston. I mean, Boston, Cambridge. Seattle is number, uh, it's t- Seattle is tied with Boston at 14th, both sides of the country. San Diego, Los Angeles, Oxnard, Thousand Oaks. Number 10, Washington, Arlington, most expensive. I wonder why it's more expensive there. Why could it be more expensive there? Oh, oh, that's right. That's where our government is. Uh, Fairfield, California, New New York, Newark, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, all that whole little window there, the tri-state area, pretty expensive. There's some nice places in Pennsylvania, though, that you can live and still work in New York, which I did, uh, and not be out of this world. Santa Rosa, California, Napa, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, Santa Cruz, Watsonville, California. I told you number two was San Francisco, Oakland. And number one, most expensive city in America, San Jose, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, California. Wow. That's a lot of Californias, man. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, nine out of 14 of the most expensive places to live in the United States of America is California. Might tell you, give you an idea, maybe the state you don't want to live in. What state wouldn't you want to live in? Let me guess. Let me guess. Oh, I know. California. All right, let's go to the break room. I need a drink of uh, Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. We'll head to the break room. Remind you to subscribe to Chewing the Fat with yours truly jeff fisher thank you so much for coming along for the ride every day but uh it'd be you know just subscribe that's all you need. just subscribe so you're alerted you know when the show comes every day we we download it or upload it at 5 30 central 6 30 eastern monday through friday you're good to go and you'll get the you get the alert when you when it's when it's uploaded every day you're gonna get the alert when it's uploaded every day you're gonna get the alert Boop. it's gonna sound like that if it's delayed like that, you've got some sort of problem with your internet or your Wi-Fi access on your And we'll cover this a couple episodes ago on how to fix that. Yeah. We'll so cover that. Yeah. If, if, if it takes that long to get the alert, uh, you've got an issue that you need to get resolved. But subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. All right, I need a drink. <laughs> long as we're here, we might as well talk about uh, Mark Levin's new book, Unfreedom of the Press. Yeah, Unfreedom of the Press. You remember the press, right? A standardless profession that has squandered the faith and trust of the American public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Well, his new book, uh, out today, it's out wherever you get your books from uh, on any platform, uh, Amazon or 
or marklevin.com, wherever you order your books from, Unfreedom of the Press, get it now. Of course, you know, Mark isn't going to mince any words. He's going to take direct aim at the partisan party press, which you know as well as I do and as well as Mark does for sure. They have gone completely off the rails. If you care about uh, the existence of a free republic, uh, like every American citizen should, Read the book on freedom of the press. You can read some excerpts on Amazon right now, uh, but it is out and you need to get it. Uh, Mark Levin, a new book. And you know what? This book was number one uh, before it was even available. Uh, It was already number one. It's already causing a stir. Uh, CNN's Brian Stelter took a jab at Mark Levin before he'd even read it. And uh, Levin struck back hard. You can read that uh, on The Blaze. Uh, So The Blaze television host, uh, Mark Levin, and also the Fox television host, Mark Levin. Uh, You know Mark Levin. I mean, radio, TV, Blaze television, uh, just a reason to subscribe to The Blaze TV, by the way. Uh, His new book, Unfreedom of the Press. Get it right now. I mean, go. you want to go get it right now. Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin. Long as I'm here, I might as well get another drink. So we're in the break room, and I see Dr. Matt McCarthy in the break room here on Chewing the Fat. And uh, I know that he's got a brand new book out called Superbugs. Superbugs. Now, are you talking about the bugs that are working out and taking steroids and racing each other? Or are you talking about the bugs that are going to kill us all? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. To talk about such an uplifting topic here. <laughs> what, what, what I'm talking about here, superbugs, really any of the pathogens in our environment, fungus, bacteria, parasites, anything that has become resistant to the normal treatments, the things that we once were able to use to treat and cure people, that the, the, these pathogens have figured out how to get around them. And so now it's just one of the most pressing issues in medicine and I decided to write a book about it. So I, I noticed, uh, I found it fascinating that uh, the superbugs were really, I mean, they were, they were around, but they were really kind of non-existent overall until the 1960s. That's not too far, yeah. that, that's too, too long ago. You read you read the book. I did read some. I did. <laughs> no, I did read. I did read some of the book. I have another couple questions that I'm going to ask you that yes. caught me off guard in the book as well. Yes. Yeah. So I'll tell you. So it, what happened was we stumbled on the first antibiotic uh, in the 1940s, and we started using these things like crazy all through the 50s, and then the bacteria figured out ways to get around the drug. So they they developed these things called efflux pumps which are like microscopic vacuum cleaners that can suck up any drug we give them and spit it out. And, and these, all of these interesting mm-hmm. enzymes that can chew up um, all of our drugs. And that started in the 1960s. And the problem has only gotten worse over the last generation. And I'll tell you, the bigger problem is that big pharma no longer wants to invest in new treatments because they don't think they make enough money off of these things. Well, isn't that, and I'll, I'll jump ahead. I still, I can go back. I still have a couple of questions for you, but as long as you jumped into big pharma, I mean, isn't that they funded your work, right? I mean, so they're not completely right, out yeah. of it. Yeah, no. Well, you know, if you give them the right incentives, they'll fund just about anything. And what's so interesting here is that these pharmaceutical companies are saying, we're simply not going to invest in new antibiotics unless you give us some incentives. And and these things are called push incentives and pull incentives. Okay. And a push incentive is to is to say to a company, 
hey, you know that uh, that billion-dollar drug that you have? We'll give you a tax break on your profits if you promise to invest some of those profits into new antibiotics. And that's kind of a tough thing to swallow for some of us because giving a tax break to a billion-dollar company isn't exactly uh, what everyone wants to do. But right. we've reached a point where we have to come to the negotiating table. And I'll tell you, the other thing is called a pull incentive. And that's to say, if you invest in a new drug to big pharma, if you create a new drug, we'll give you market exclusivity. Instead of five years, we'll give you 25 years. We'll give you 30 years so that no generics can compete with you. And what's so interesting is that these are going to be some of the major political issues people are talking about in 2020 and beyond, because antibiotics are a market failure and they require many people believe the government to intervene so that we can have more of these drugs. And, and nobody's really talking about what's going to be the right proposal to get this right so that we don't bail out big pharma and give them tax breaks and only to see them use the money in ways we don't like. Well, but when you say ways we don't like, I mean, aren't yep. they, a, I mean, I, I, I'm torn between that because I know big yep. pharma is on the chopping block of we're supposed to hate them all because they're so evil yep. and, you know, they, they were they were selling opioids across the counter and we're not supposed to like them anymore. But it's a private uh, company uh, and they should be able to do what they want with their uh, money. I'll tell you, I don't I don't see them as evil. You know, they funded my study. Yeah. They, they are discovering there. They I the first part of my book, what I uh, make very clear is that we need big pharma because they yeah. have affected many, many of the crucial aspects of drug development. And we do not want the federal government to be our pharmacy. Amen. So we, we, <laughs> we need private uh, corporations. But what I'm getting at is really what are the incentives that we can use? And what I, I, I really in, was amused when I saw that one pharmaceutical company started transferring its patents to a Native American reservation because that oh. reservation can, can do something called tribal sovereign immunity, which yeah. means that you can't challenge them. And so there's all kinds of corporate trickery going around. And, and I'll tell you, it, it's, it's something where we... That's, a, that's the American way, Doc. That's the American way, Doc. Don't try to make that sound like that's a fishy thing. I was starting at that company's right, doing it. I take it back. <laughs> I, I'm I sorry, go back. ahead. I'm sorry, go no, ahead. But, but, but what's so interesting here is that we, we need them to view Big Pharma as our partners. Yeah. And the reason I wrote this book is that I had a patient ask me a few years ago, why is it so hard to make an antibiotic? And it ended up spiraling into this big and you know, colossal story where what I found was that in my own medical practice that the infections that I had once treated with oral antibiotics I had to move on to intravenous antibiotics, and then those intravenous treatments stopped working. And so we're, we're looking for all kinds of new drugs anywhere we can find them. And what I found in my own reporting is that many of the best and most promising new antibiotics we're finding beneath our feet in the soil. Well, and that's going to be an area that we're trying to discover more. Well, I mean, that, that's great. But also, it, it appeared to me that you were uh, really kind of finding that uh, uh, new uh, antibiotics were you were going backwards and finding that uh, you know civilizations were already ahead of us on that right you were using <laughs> their old incredible stuff. I said you know they may not have even realized it but you know that we, we exhume mummies from Africa and we find that they have 
tetracycline, one of our earliest yeah. antibiotics, is, is inside the bones of mummies. And that people, whether they knew it or not, were consuming foods and, and plant life that had natural antibiotics in them. And, you know, life finds a way. And, and humans recognize this far before um, the discovery of penicillin, which is considered the first commercially right. available antibiotic. Right. We're talking to uh, Dr. Matt McCarthy, author of uh, Superbugs, uh, The Race to Stop an Epidemic, which is uh, out today. You can get it wherever your favorite books are sold. Um, amazing that more than 20,000 people die every year in the U.S. because of antibiotic-resistant infections. That seems like an awful high number. Uh, and I'm not, well, I'm not doubting your number, but I just find, oh man, it's just, it's hard to wrap my head around that we're losing that many people to, uh, infections that we can't cure. Well, the, the projections, I'll, I'll throw out a number that's going to be even more absurd, which is that the world health organization says that by 2050, that we're going to lose 10 million humans every single year to superbug infections. You believe them? And the reason for that, and do I believe it? I think that's a bit of a, an overshoot. Okay. Uh, I appreciate that they're trying to draw attention yeah. to this, but the last thing I, I want to do is be a fear monger here. I'm not trying to, to scare people. What I wanted to do was tell a story about a problem that we're facing. I wanted to give people a sense of how we got into this mess, but then far more importantly is how do we get out of it? And I think that, you know, giving companies um, free reign to, to try to develop these drugs and to give them the support and the incentives to want to make new antibiotics is going to be crucial. Um, and, and when I see patients, you know, I, I can tell you I'm at the hospital right now and I took care of patients who have superbugs all the time. And this is not an issue that's going away. And in fact, we're going to only be hearing more about it, I think, in the years to come. Well, maybe you should get that hospital a little bit cleaner. Maybe we get a new cleaning crew. Okay, maybe the infections are coming from them. Um, well, they don't want. They certainly don't want me to, to say that that's coming from them. <laughs> no, I know. No, don't do that. Don't do that out loud. Um, as a, a side note, uh, as I was uh, looking through your book, uh, I noticed that uh, it starts out with uh, you talking about uh, in 2014 still having a pager. Is that actually true? Oh, yeah. A pager? That's, that's true. We, we in 2014? I, you know, they, they, they got rid of them shortly after that. I think we got a deal with, uh, with the iPhone. They, they gave us all iPhones. But one of the last relics of the, uh, the, you know, the old school medicine was carrying around a pager on my hip. But I, I do not miss that at, I at bet. all. Man, now, we, I can tell you, we carry a lot you know, more around on our hip. Yeah, that's right. Now doctors communicate largely by text message, and yeah. I get you know five hundred text messages a day. So yeah. I do miss the pager a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They and everyone expects their uh, return text uh, immediately. To oh, be yeah. sure to get on that. Yeah. All right. So your new book, uh, "Race to Stop an Epidemic." Um, where are we at in the race? Where are we at in the race? Oh, well, it's going to be a marathon, and I think we're at mile two right now. Oh, so hurts. what we're trying to figure out is. How fast, you know, I don't know if you ever ran a marathon. Oh, oh, Doc, I, you can't keep me away from marathons. I mean, I am, oh, yeah. oh I am. I re- I'll tell you, we're trying to figure out right now what our pace should be. You know, are we going to jog this marathon or are we going to sprint it? And uh, it, I think that right now we're picking up a little bit of speed and people are starting to recognize that this is the issue. But really what I wanted to do with this book was to get, Uh, people to understand the problem so that when you hear 
your your congressman come out with a proposal to fix the antibiotic market, you can tell if this is a good idea or a bad idea. And I want people to you know have an informed conversation about this. So walk us, take us through the book a little bit. Uh, outside of uh, you're talking about uh, several patients that you're taking yeah, care of, yeah. and are you uh, are are we finding out exactly? You know, it's so scary, really. I mean, honestly, it's so scary to think about uh, being told that you have an infection that we're right. going to have a tough time to cure. Yeah, you know, that's one of the challenges of being in this line of work I as bet. an infectious disease doctor is people aren't particularly happy when you walk in the room, yeah, no you know, they, that means, it means that you're, uh, you know, you're the sign that something's not going right. Yeah. And what I talk about in the book are all of the, the, the unusual infections that I'm seeing and, and where they're coming from, where we're, how we're trying to address them and cure them. And then I pull back and I start to look at the bigger issue of how did we get here? And one of the problems is, you know, I quote a number of famous scientists in the 60s and 70s who said, wow, we've basically cured infection in humans. We can move on to bigger issues. Right. And and I think think we are still all walking down that path, right? We're fine. And I think we, yeah, we took our eye off the ball a little bit. And while we were doing that and focused on other things, bacteria were mutating and evolving and coming up with these very intricate enzymes that can chop up any drug we give them. And as a result, we've got, we're sort of playing catch up now. And, you know, it is a, it's a very scary proposition, but I will say, you know, when I walk into the hospital every day, I'm confident that we're going to cure the patients. And when I go home at night, I'm not worried that I'm going to transmit something to, you know, somebody on the, the subway or to my kids. And it's something that we take very seriously. And we um, have strict protocols in place to protect people and to get them better. I, I, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm very happy yeah, to hear yeah. that. So, yeah, uh, but then, you know, the, the, uh, the final part of the book, I'll just say, is that one of my family members gets one of these infections. And I, I go from being the doctor who's treating them to being the, the very nervous family member who's, you know, praying that things are going to go okay. Right. And what, what, what really helped was not an antibiotic that cured him, but was actually a surgeon who could go in with a knife and just cut out the, the infection. And that was something that I you know, hadn't even thought of wow. while I was working on the book, is the role of surgery in the treatment of people. Right. That's, uh, that's fascinating. So, but you still, if you go in and uh, you, it's very hard to get all of it, right? I mean, that's what we're trying yeah, to attack. You know, I mean, most, of, most of the stuff that we're, we're giving patients are you know, almost like, uh, uh, for lack of a better uh, drug. Well, I'll just use chemotherapy as you know. You yeah, use yeah. chemo, so you go in and you ki- it kills everything, right? I mean, yeah, you're just you killing like everything, everything and then you're trying to hope that you can grow back the good stuff before the bad stuff takes over again. Yeah, you nailed it. Well, with the infections, we cut it out, but we know we don't get all of it, so we still give antibiotics after we've done the surgery, okay. trying to mop up the rest of of the infection. And you know what? Sometimes it comes back. Yeah. And it, Especially if patients have a weakened immune system, um, it's a it's a terrifying proposition for people who become vulnerable. 
because their their immune system has been weakened from chemo. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is there are there other ways to uh, strengthen that uh, even prior to? Let's you know, I mean, even just you know, you and I talking. We know we know now at this moment that we're talking, we are not sick. It might be on us, but we know we right, haven't been right, diagnosed. Right. I mean, is there anything that we can do that will strengthen us and make us stronger before yeah, we know? The, the, there are a few things you can do. Some of them are not particularly fun. But things like getting eight hours of sleep a night, not drinking alcohol heavily, um, exercising, all of the things we know that we should do are actually very good for our immune system. The other thing that I highly encourage people to do is to find out from your doctor how your immune system is doing. You know, there are patients walking around with weakened immune systems who don't recognize it. They never ask their doctor if the medications that they're on might have a side effect of of doing that. And so if you know that you are um, low risk, then you don't have to walk around being worried about these superbugs. If you're somebody who's high risk, you need to be on a bit more high alert. And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily want to go into a musty basement where there might be mold in the corner, where you don't want to be going, putting yourself in these positions where you may be breathing in all kinds of, you know, dirty air. Um, You might want to hose down that shopping cart. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So part of it is just having a simple conversation with your doctor and saying, hey, doc, how's my immune system? You got me on anything that that might be throwing it out of whack? I think that would open up a conversation. Yeah, that would that would probably that would help a, a thousands of people. I bet. Yeah, um, yeah. Doctor yeah. Matt McCarthy, I know you're busy, and uh, I'll let you go. I appreciate you stopping by. The new book out today, uh, Superbugs: The Race to Stop an Epidemic. Also, uh, the author of uh, the the Real Doctor. We'll see you shortly, which uh, I may have to get. I think I like the title of it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, Doc. Take care of yourself, and thank you very much. And uh, yes, continue the good fight. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Don't forget to follow me on social media. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Uh, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, and uh, you can stay in touch with that, or you can uh, always email me, chewingthefat at theblaze.com, chewingthefat at theblaze.com, and uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast, uh, Chewing the Fat, on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Um, you know, I my line is uh, wherever free podcasts are sold, but uh, where whatever whatever platform you uh, use to uh, download your podcast, uh, use it. And subscribe to Chewing the Fat. Don't forget about Jeopardy champ James Holzhauer. Have you seen this guy play at all yet? I caught uh, one game with him, and uh, he's uh, it's pretty fascinating to watch him uh, how much butt he kicked on that. And he's already he's won a twenty third time. Uh, if you're listening to this live, you're listening to this on a Tuesday, the twenty first of May, uh, two thousand nineteen. Uh, he won last night for the 23rd time. He's already up over a million dollars, $1.7 million. Won his 23rd consecutive game. Uh, amazing. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, is, is the fix in? I don't know. But uh, he trails only Ken Jennings on the uh, Jeopardy top slot. Ken uh, remains in the top uh, for both lists, 74 victories and $2,520,700 in prize money. So uh, our man, James, James is a pretty cocky and thinking he's pretty good. But until he gets in front of Ken Jennings, uh, pff, take it easy because you ain't that good yet, bro. 